Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Looking for a way to make online learning a better option for your family? When it comes to virtual learning, experience matters. Tuition-free K-12-powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of experience to work for you, giving your child the personalized learning they deserve without disruptions. With a K-12-powered school, students gain the skills they need to be prepared for their next steps in life, building a better future for each one of us. K-12, education for any one. Learn more at k12.com. My name is Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 117 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Craig Fitzpatrick is not here because we've officially finally fired him from the podcast. Congratulations on your graduation, Craig. He's just really formally shrugging somewhere, it seems. Yeah, in a full suit. Yeah. In some weird kind of last supper pose. That's what he'd do. What's that about? Colin Morrigan. What up? My light. My life. Jesus. <laughs> all right, okay. My stars... And all those things. I'll take that. She sure. does. very. I warm. like you as a friend. She does very, very warm today. Oh, thanks, man. She is very, very warm today, so I might be a bit more feverish than usual. But luckily, I've got a couple of friends with me. <laughs> Returning to the podcast for the fifth time, I think possibly it's David Higgs Higgins. Hey. How's everyone? How are you, man? I'm good. I'm very good. This is a fetching T-shirt that you're wearing. Thank you. Trust the process. Trust the process. Basketball content engaged. <laughs> and making his No Encore debut, he's been referenced on the show a few times before as Carlo, which is his name, <laughs> as Dr. Magicoco, which is his strange nickname that we should probably put to bed. Uh, it is, of course, Carlo Malaco. Yay! Give it up. Thank you very much. I, I disagree. You should not put that to bed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's the origin of Dr. Magicoco and our friendship? Oh, my God. My God, what is the origin of Dr. Magicoco? That's a very good question. I think it was an American on a Skype call or something. Oh, you're right, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was on a work call and um, uh, someone, someone just dropped the line, uh, 
I believe what uh, Mr. Magicoco was referring to, and uh, <laughs> that is not my name. <laughs> and then it spun off into medical. Uh, I think we just decided to give him a promotion or something. It like, sounds yeah. like a Sonic the Hedgehog villain or some kind of DS racing yeah. game. Absolutely, so. saving animals. You know, Carlo is from my native Drada. <laughs> he makes songs. Go check out his SoundCloud page, which you can find at. Uh, I believe I'm the only Carlo Magliocco at uh, SoundCloud, so... Uh, <laughs> DrMagicoco.bandcamp.com <laughs> It should be, yeah. It, it will be later. <laughs> okay, we've got a packed episode for you. So packed that, in fact, we did an interview with Paul Allwright, but mm-hmm. I don't know if we're going to put it on this episode because this episode could be four hours long if we do it. It's true. <laughs> uh, it's a good interview, though. It's coming soon, so look out for that and check out his new album, Hungry, which is fucking great. In the meantime, uh, some gigs to talk about. Indeed. So let's start with uh, a gig that took place last night that I wasn't at, mm-hmm. but Carlo was. You weren't there, were you, Dave? No, but I, I heard a bit from my patio. Uh, Nicholas <laughs> Cave took to Kilmainham, and Carlo, you're a big fan. I, I am a big fan. I'm, I'm an easy sell on a Nick Cave gig, but even by my standards, this was, this was a very, very special show. People seem to be reacting as if uh, uh, the, the pop concert was formed for the first time ever all by itself. <laughs> Such has been the level of revelry going around. You've seen him before, right? Yeah, I, I, I've, I've seen him uh, a number of times now. And uh, this was the first time I was seeing him off the back of Skeleton Tree. So I was very interested to see how that was going to affect the set. You know, I, I didn't know if it was going to be uh, a kind of somber, ballady type yeah. scenario or if... You know, if he was going to go with the full bombast, it turns out it's both. In the yeah. summer sunshine as well. In the summer sunshine, which he referred to as he stepped out uh, onto stage. He was like, I am terrified by this. I was this. just about to <laughs> say, <laughs> well, which he would hate. Yeah. <laughs> How long did it take for, did, did they open with Magneto and kind of do a couple of skeleton trees? And then yeah, what was, was the first uh, hit, if you will? The was first, it Red Right Hand? Well, yeah, mm-hmm. prob- probably was. Now, the, there was two tracks from Skeleton Tree to, to launch it off. And then I think the third song was Do You Love Me? Um, so it, it, it went it went back quite quickly, like Do You Love Me and um, uh, Lover Man and the likes. But I think Red Right Hand was... Red Right Hand is a weird one to hear live now because for all the Nick Cave gigs I've been to, he's never had like a stone cold hit. Yeah. Right. But this you came know. almost retroactively because of Peaky Blinders. Absolutely. And yeah. it being the theme tune and that show being terrible and ruining that song for me. I first heard that song on the soundtrack to what horror film, Dave? Uh, that would be Scream. It would be. Myself and Carla are also talking that it also appears in Dumb and Dumber. Does it? I believe it really? does. Yeah, I, I, I was trying to uh, re- recall this properly, but I think it's the scene where Jim Carrey is uh, uh, robbed by the old woman that's on the... Uh, Put the, the motorized scooter. The little yeah. scooter. Wow. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Huh. Indeed. Well, if it's we, correct. We'll be diving back into Nick Cave chat later in this show um, because Carlo's very kindly uh, going to talk uh, any newcomers or, or, or any non-believers through uh, Nick Cave's back catalogue in a listening guide. Uh, that, of course, was at Kilmainham where uh, Dave and I had darkened the doors over the weekend. Uh, festival hiatus. There weren't any doors. Well, true. Yeah, yeah we darkened <laughs> that very, very, very narrow gap. At the top of the hill. You're still upset about the bottleneck, right? Oh, it took so long. So, to do you want to start? Do you want security rant first? Is that what you. Is <laughs> no, that what? no, 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 no. I'm fine. Logistics I, corner. I felt, I, felt, <laughs> I felt very secure. The bar was less VIP than I would have liked, but, you know. Oh, you were you furious do? about that bar. <laughs> oh, they were not. Imp- I did not feel important. I'll say this. Not right. even very no, important. Get Forget very important. I didn't feel in any way important. We didn't even see Conor McGregor. I didn't feel important either, and that bar was a shambles. I will say this, though. I know you were frustrated, as was I, mm-hmm. that we were standing there for 20 minutes being ignored while Vince Staples was. 
kicking into his set. However, Cullum, you can't wave money in the face of the bar staff, okay? No, 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 no. That, hang on, wow. hang on, hang on, hang on. That was very specific. That was very. They don't like it. That was very specific in this instance because there was a lot of people trying to wave those free vouchers. They were intentionally ignoring people with free vouchers because they weren't getting money for them. So I was like, "Hey, look, I have cash." It was I tactical. Was, yeah. I wasn't that, clicking, garçon. That garçon. is an utterly VIP baller move. I am proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. Twenty-five euro. It could be yours, bar, yeah. bar staff. So okay, let's take it through. I ignored day one entirely because I, I decided to have a chill day for myself. Went to wrestling. Uh, how was the wrestling? It's quite good actually. A bit of crack. All right. That's wrestling corner done. Yeah. Uh, that's okay, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I live near Kilmainham, so I got to hear all of the young kids going to the festival, uh, complete with hyena screams, glass shattering, all that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, quite a diligent cleanup crew, to be fair to <laughs> whoever was putting the, the the thing together. And I must say thanks to Jenny, uh, uh, indeed, for, yeah, for giving us passes to the festival that I went to only some of. So yeah, I went on Sunday. I'm still trying to figure out what day is what day because the bank holiday weekend really threw me off. Yeah. And I saw Vin Staples, who was excellent to be Great. fair to him. He gives it socks. He like. really does, yeah. He was main stage, was he? Or he was main, yeah. stage, yeah. main stage at like 7 o'clock. So like, it admittedly loses a lot because it's the summertime. He's on the main stage. He has some kind of visuals and stuff going on, but it's not that prevalent. And it's daytime as well. So it's going to get lost, you know? Yeah. However, um, you can't say he didn't, he didn't give it. He like, gives you know. it socks. And as well, though, the other thing is that like... Big Fish Theory kind of straddles the line quite nicely between dance and hip-hop, so it probably brings through together kind of two slightly disparate sort of festival audiences. You know, like the biggest issue when you're on the main stage of the festival is how does everybody like what you're doing? And it's impossible. But at least he gives it a pretty decent go of getting a large portion of the crowd into it. True, and he was great. And it's funny because almost after every song, he's like, "Hey, y'all doing? You doing okay? Having a good time?" <laughs> and I'm like, "That's clearly part of the Vince Staples character again." Where I just don't know how disingenuous this is. Is <laughs> he just taking the piss out of us completely? However, I was happy to be mocked by him because I think he's operating at the peak of his powers. However, by the time Bonobo came on stage later on to be the headline act, you know, we were both like, "How amazing would it be right now, undercover of darkness and all these lights?" If Vince Staples was the yeah, headline, it maybe, would have yeah. been incredible. It should be said, I thought, still thought Bonobo was class. Bonobo was great, but I couldn't tell you a thing about it. I thought it was amazing. I, 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 I genuinely, I was so impressed. It was a proper live show with like a significantly sized band. The visuals, okay, were a bit naff, but at the same time, like you're playing through a big field, you kind of need something along those lines. I thought it was really impressive. I thought it was a great festival closer. It was good. I was a bit drunk because uh, I'd horsed a few beers into me, and at one point when I was like, I better Excellent. go for, <laughs> I was like, I better go get some water now. Went to four different bars, no water. Yeah. Gre- <laughs> greeted by the fucking human embodiment of the shrug emoji every time, and I was like, <laughs> I guess I'll have another pint then. That's it's... not the first time that that's happened to Forbidden Fruit. Give me some water. Like, the first two years, they either, they they've ran out of water, they've ran out of beer. Tell you, I ran out of patience. Just, hey. just crab juice and crab collage. <laughs> In between, by the way, uh, Fortet oh, wowed the crowd with Jesus. maybe the funniest set I've seen in a very long time. You'd have to go give a fuck. Because Dahi and I were talking about this and we were kind of saying, I wonder what like what he'll do because it's going to be weird to see Fortet at half eight in the sun anyway. How's he going to combat this? Here's how. No visuals, no backdrop, just a bloke in his workbench playing some house music. Wow. <laughs> it was amazing. To a crowd that were like apathetic and not really paying attention. Oh, yeah. Sounds like oh, the yeah. worst barbecue ever. <laughs> it was very strange, yeah. There was also a hilarious moment, I think it was I think it was that day, uh, where someone in our party who will not be named, uh, we were coming back from the bar and it was long queues, so we were getting the two points in job. Uh, we were walking along and some girl came along and smashed into smashed. one of us. Yeah. Uh, smash cut to his beer hitting the ground and him not being very impressed by this, of course, because you wouldn't be. Yeah. Gave her a glare, 
And then one of the lads was like, just leave it, man. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And it was like, what are you doing? He's not going to attack this woman. He's just upset about it. Uh, I'm assuming he was giving her a hard stare yeah. when someone has lost their manners a la Paddington the Bear. Precisely, yeah. It was it wonderful. Was, okay, I'll name, I'll name who it was. It was Paddington Bear. <laughs> then the following day, the concluding day of the festival, the Monday, uh, Cullum decided to not come out to play. Very sensible. Uh, because you were like, I better just recharge the old batteries. Mm-hmm. I went along and I saw some Dad Rock. That's what it was. It was Dad Rock Monday. Um, the crowds were a lot more chill, thankfully, and there were less people at it, uh, although still a big crowd. And yeah, there was also some people there who were clearly there for the three days who had no idea who anybody was playing. And I was like, I really hope that they think that the war on drugs is some sick DJ combination, because <laughs> it ain't. So on that day, I saw um, Spoon, who were okay, I guess. Right. I thought Zara Hedeman nailed it in her The Thin Air review when she said that the singer appears to have completely copied Hamilton Lighthizer in terms of his appearance. White cream denim jacket, uh, kind of short back and sides, and you know, tall man in a pair of jeans. You have to be a handsome man to pull off that look. He's not quite on Hamilton's level I uh, saw a bit of Thundercat as Dave Higgins has said to me beforehand and it proved to be correct live jazz nonsense okay <laughs> right I can see that I can see that I, I, I can't but come on that's what it was uh, also Grizzly Bear were enjoyable but quite lost on that big stage we were just chilling on the sunbank really to be honest with you not really taking it in uh, I was going to go it's and nice see spot if you want to do that well, that's what I did that's mm-hmm. why I didn't go see Warpaint and the war on drugs were fine I'd like to see them in like proper Baker setting. Street or something yeah. But we'll be talking about Vicar Street later on. Oh, will we watch? We'll yeah. Get there. But I mean, overall, it was what it was. I will say this. Uh, I'm once again going on festival hiatus because... Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, stop. Oh, dude, I'm too old for it. And like, it's not for me anymore. Okay. Uh, and also, I had mad anxiety that weekend and it was fucking a tough place to be. Uh, when I, you're... I had a similar situation like that. Um, went to Beck in the AAS a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. And uh, I, I was genuinely going to see the AAS from the get-go. I've seen Beck a couple of times. Love him. Great artist. But uh, I really wanted to see the AAS. And after they'd finished, I, I, I just looked at my wife and we both went, Will we go for an ice cream and 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 and, and just leave? <laughs> and we just we just sat in the sunshine and ate an ice cream, and then we went home. It's and I most, felt so just the most wholesome story of all time. <laughs> uh, real quick, by the way, Earl Sweatshirt cancelled last minute, um, citing uh, anxiety and depression, uh, compounded by the grief from the recent passing of his father. He thought he would be ready to perform, but simply is not able to. He apologised to fans, promised to be back as soon as he's able to. So, love to Earl Sweatshirt. I hope he gets well soon. Indeed, uh, yeah. And uh, also, just uh, after talk about Vince Staples, uh, he was at Primavera Sound as well this weekend. Busy weekend for Big Vince. Um, he sat down to discuss the nature of life performances, the urge to release music, uh, and owning a Tesla and a flamethrower, uh, which he does, which is awesome. He, he, never he, doesn't not really, that. he doesn't want to meet Elon Musk because he doesn't know what they talk about, but he'll sure as hell buy his shit. Well, this is a Dave Higgins story every day of the week, Dave. Yeah, I, I think it blew me away is that he said he bought the Tesla and the flamethrower from Elon Musk. I did not know Elon Musk was in the flamethrower Did you miss this? doesn't seem to... Oh, do you not know this? Yeah, Elon Musk's other business is a boring industry. Yeah, boring, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's anything but, am I right? Yeah, they made a a flamethrower recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's been doing big business. Surely selling something that uses fuel goes completely against the idea of having an electric car. Yeah, I don't know, to be honest. It's Vince fucking with us again. Oh, no, I mean, Elon's talking more about Elon here. Yeah, yeah. It's like an emotional offset. He's like, I better create the Tesla because I'm not giving up these flamethrowers. <laughs> yeah. Carlo, as a man who recently splashed a big money on a gorgeous guitar. Thank you very much. You could have bought a flamethrower. Could have bought a flamethrower. I, I probably could have bought 
possibly one and a half flamethrowers, and that, that, that breaks my <laughs> or heart. Or you could now get the flamethrower and weld it to the guitar and be like that guy in Mad Max Fury oh, Road. Amazing. Or Rammstein, let's get real. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the creators of that Absolutely. whole genre. I think you find that George Miller was the man who came up with that one. Uh, Hang on. While we're talking metal, by the way, before we do this, we've, we've, we've glossed over something that we really shouldn't have glossed oh, over. No, we haven't. Uh, I don't think we have. We really no. haven't. Fifteen years ago this week, we were treated to the best snare drum sound of all time oh, you say can can i can i can i say one thing about this if if some divine creature right now said carlo music as an art form has to stop right now and be just erased from society <laughs> or all music needs to include that drum sound i would just lay a rose on the coffin and say goodbye to it as a genre let's have a listen to the drum sound in question That'll do, yeah, perfect. Uh, <laughs> Fuck it all and some regrets? No, no regrets at all. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to leave that album behind me. I, like, you, you've, you've made a big deal of this. You're saying that you're 15 and it's like, it's like celebrating your anniversary with your ex or something. It's I would appreciate like, if you got the album title correct. Carlo, can you correct him, please? It, it, it is Stanger. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> Stanger. <laughs> My apologies. It's Rory's fault also, though. I feel like you've talked about this album every time I've been on this podcast. <laughs> it's, I think he's Were talked about this album, album every time I've met him. <laughs> yes, I'm secretly Rob Trujillo. Yeah. <laughs> or Bob Rock. I think I'm more the Bob Rock figure. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, getting slightly more back Happy on Happy birthday, St. Anger! Uh, Vince Stables also just talking briefly about uh, the Dragon Pusher T beef, uh, saying, until somebody dies, I don't care. Oh, wow. Please don't talk about me and your songs. Be nice to me and I'll be nice to you and I'll give you my, a ride in my car if it's charged. <laughs> Um, but anyway, it seems as though there is no beef uh, to be worried about because, um, what's the face, James Prince stepped in. James okay, Prince. The, this last guy, week on the show, oh. we really like we really hit every corner of this we could possibly do. Yeah. Uh, Dave, as someone who listens to the show and has been following along, did we do an okay job? And how would you say this moves on from here? I was very surprised in you last week when I listened to the podcast. Misha? Yes, you, David. Um, when you were speaking about the beef, and particularly uh, when Push brought out the story of Adidon. And there's a term that you tend to like to use, uh, a cinematic term, the corpse kill. <laughs> <laughs> so when Push dropped that first, it reminded me of Under Siege when <laughs> <laughs> Steven Seagal slices Tommy Lee Jones's wrist, stabs him through the head and like drives his head into an electrical panel. Yeah. I thought I thought you would have gone there. I yeah, I I felt that Segal aficionados would understand what I was referencing. He also does the same thing I believe in marked for death. I think he like stabs a guy with a sword, uh, breaks his back over his knee and then hurls his corpse down an elevator shaft. And it's just like, yeah, the corpse kill. You you, you have to be careful with this stuff. You can't, you, you gotta go all in if you're gonna do it. I'm just saying. You've seen enough horror movies. Like, uh, absolutely. You know. But yeah, so is it over? And how do we feel about it being over? It probably is over because uh, Jay Prince is absolutely terrifying. Yeah, he's important um, enough to just stop anything. Yeah, he can, he can pretty much squash any any beef. As well, like he, he apparently he has these phone calls that are a little like the IRA giving a bomb warning. Like you <laughs> take them deadly okay, seriously. Okay, who is this guy? So, so he started a rap label in Houston kind of like 30 years ago, I guess. 
Um, he's also a boxing manager who once uh, roughed up all of Floyd Mayweather's camp and made him beg top rank to buy him out of his contract. Like, he's genuinely <laughs> petrifying. And yeah, by all accounts, he picked up the phone, much as he has done previously to P. Diddy, or Puffy, or whatever he calls himself these days, uh, did to Charlemagne the God when he was beefing with Drake, and he just said, stop. <laughs> and they have. I just, I love... Um... I love this quote when he was he was kind of talking about how, how he how he squished it and he says um I call it a pig pen mentality and I spoke with Drake. I made an OG call to Drake this morning telling him I don't want you to respond to this. We're gonna put this to bed. Because we can't get in the pig pen with pigs because <laughs> pigs turn into hogs and then hogs get slaughtered. <laughs> pigs, um, pigs famously never getting slaughtered. <laughs> did you guys Would just you on, correct him? On the subject of Jay Prince, did you see that tweet that went semi viral this week? Uh, Roy Roy Woods Jr. Like, works on The Daily Show. He's yeah. a comedian. Yeah. Hmm. And he was talking about how this is probably like 10, 15 years ago when he was uh, working for a radio station. He was going to do an album of prank calls. And so basically they were like, you take the Rolodex of all the people that we have and prank call them. It was meant to be like Little John, Pim C, Bumby. First person he was to prank was Jay Prince. So his plan was, it was when Jay Prince was at uh, Rap-A-Lot Records and he was basically going to call them up and say, I work for this local record store. Your records are trash. They're not selling anything. You need to pay my rent or I'm going to fight you. So he calls up Jay Prince, says this. Jay Prince just listens, listens, takes a deep breath. And goes, where you at? (laughs) 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 And immediately, uh, Roy Woods Jr. is just like completely thrown off by this. He's like, oh, and he like tries to stick with it, tries to stick with it. And like, he's like, no, man, I need to come fight you. I need to fight you right now. And Jay Prince just replies again, like takes another deep breath. And he's like, I don't do business on the phone. I need to see you face to face. Where you at? So he immediately broke. And he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Look, I'm trying to do a, a prank call here. <laughs> he had to get the producer from the radio show on. And the producer was like, you know, he gave his name. And he's like, oh, that guy. Oh, I know where you at. Turn the car around. <laughs> so he basically then details how he was like, I don't give a shit about this anymore. Immediately got a car to the airport and went to Birmingham, Alabama. He's like, I'm never going to Houston again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah he's scary he's scary because he has he's like uh, if you've ever seen him he talks so calm it's like that calm where it's just like oh you know there's like there's a there's like red rage when someone's like that but when they were like super pale you're just like not nah, he's the guy in the white suit from the yakuza and the Simpsons. <laughs> exactly. you know he's gonna do yet. something crazy yeah <laughs> you know he's gonna do something yeah <laughs> it's gonna be good and uh needless to say we will be talking a lot more about uh some of those players uh later on in the show when we discuss uh a, a minor release from earlier this week. A certain album that you may or have caught your attention. In the meantime, you think we can't go from hip-hop back to metal, back to hip-hop, back to metal? Well, I say you've never heard no encore before, sir, because I'm excited Corey Taylor is teasing the new album from Slipknot. Are you? Yeah. Really? Like, okay, l- Still? Let me, what yeah. does a Slipknot album sound like in 2018? Probably very good, I would say. Hang on, first of all, Cullum, you know, yeah. you say that, but have you ever listened to Slipknot? No, I have, of course, yeah, and I've seen them live a couple of times as well. Okay, I stand corrected. Yeah, and like, <laughs> I mean, like, they certainly had their moment, and, and I guess that's the thing, yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure how it works in 2018. I mean, Corey Taylor's even kind of said, you know, that it, it, it felt like the old days, and it felt like the beginning, and it's like, 
I'm not really sure that it should at this point in your career. To be I think honest. it kind of should because the last album they put out in 2014, I believe it was, was the post Paul Gray um, album, which was named for him. Their long-term bass player and songwriter who died quite young. Um, so where else do you go from here? You know, you rip it up and you start again, I guess. The last two albums that they've released in that kind of time period, I guess, have been okay. They've had some great moments, a bit of filler. They're never going to write an album as good as Volume 3. However, given that we're coming up on almost 20 years, which is terrifying, of the debut album, I have gone back to that debut album, and I saw someone on Twitter this week say, like, that album fucking bangs. It sounds vital. And I was like, does it though? And then I went back and I was like, oh, hang on. No, no, no. It does. It's really good. Corey sounds so young on it. Um, I, it's, yeah, this is dangerous territory. Can they possibly recapture former glories, let alone glories from 20 years ago? I'm going to be optimistic here. And despite his rubbish side project with Stone Sour and his incredibly irritating persona that he's cultivated in the last few years, I'm, well, I think when he steps into that mask, man, it, good stuff happens. I, I have a bit of a soft spot for him in Stone Sour and recently because he's one of the few people that did legitimately moving and excellent tributes to Chris Cornell after he passed away. He, he covered Outshine fantastically and you saw a lot of acts kind of, like their heart was in the right, right, right place, but they didn't have the voice and he he really did have the power behind it. So uh, I, I just, I can't, I can't dunk on, I can't dunk on Stone Sour. That's cool. I mean, also <laughs> w- with this, you know, he's talked about how like he's had a lot of depression to deal with in recent times and he's really pouring into his lyrics. And it's the classic Slipknot thing of like, I'm I'm singing these lyrics and the guys are looking at me like, oh my God. And of course he's going to say that. But at the same time. Clown likes it apparently. Clown loves it. And if Clown likes it, that's well, good enough. It's good enough for me. The album is allegedly coming out next year. I really can't wait. I, I, I'm happy for them to have one last day in the sun. Although you mentioned Clown. Him and Corey's kids are in a band together, man. How rock and roll is that? I'll let them play the songs then. <laughs> this new generation. Here we go. It's like uh, Action Plane, wasn't it? The the police's children uh, was an anagram of the police. <laughs> I'm sure it was just Sting's son, but yeah, they were fiction. Higgs, are we getting a good Slipknot album next year? Yes or no? Um, you know that I don't really like Slipknot, so I'm going to say no. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we mentioned Vicker Street would be coming up again. A uh, story uh, by RTE this week uh, saying that it's going to be redeveloped into 185-room hotel. Rockin' room! Although the venue will remain intact. Yeah, it's going to be a rockin' room theme. Uh, four-star hotel where you'll get kind of tickets, meal, room packages, as well as exclusive access to a new private club on the eighth floor that will overlook Dublin City. You had a very angry reaction to this in our WhatsApp group. Well, no, I had a very, very angry reaction because I'd written <laughs> one line of it, right? I walked away to see something else on someone else's computer I walked back wrote the second line of it I didn't realise that I double sworn in one sentence and I was like oh that that makes me sound more angry than I actually am I was still a little bit annoyed though because we know that the Tivoli is also up for redevelopment for hotel and office multi-purpose building it's like unless we're holding the Olympics down the liberties we surely don't need this many hotels do we? Yeah I this really really pissed me off it's like what are we doing to our city <laughs> and like particularly the people involved with this are the people who made a fucking hames of the point village which if you've ever been down that direction like you know the three arena is a nice ghost it's, ghost. Town, it's yeah, a ghost yeah. town it's like all that it can sustain is a Costa coffee in a Starbucks which is basically just like corporate Japanese mm. not weed and a cinema where you can get butter on the popcorn <laughs> and for that alone if that's the legacy you is can that pump legacy? all that millions into it yeah, I it agree just, yeah. It, it makes no sense that we're we're knocking down the Tivoli um, which is across the street from the Ivy Market which has sat dormant for over a decade somebody had a decade to develop something there and nothing's happened uh, Hangar has just gone it's just like we're taking away a lot of the great 
cultural things in our city that are have made people want to come here. Um, these were places that thrived kind of when the recession happened and, you know, mm. they kind of kept the city going and now they've made and rejuvenated areas and now it's just like, oh, well, get the builders in, get the get the hotels in. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can't stand this. Well, you, you wonder how much great art is going to come from a city that they just suck the soul out of. Like, you like your dive bars, you like your, you know, that's, that's where kind of good music ends up coming from. Whereas if you can only think, well, I can play Whelan's or the Rock'em Shock'em Robots or whatever the hell they're calling it. Rock'em Room! <laughs> so the Rock'em Room, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't do it for me. Well, how do we feel about Peter Aiken of Aiken Promotions and his definitely not corporate speak? We are delighted to be involved with such an innovative scheme which will bring a new experience to our clients where they can relax after a show and not worry about getting home. We will increase the range of talent we present and enhance the whole experience of attending a concert. Well, I suppose one thing is that they're looking at expanding it by 500 seats, um, which would basically put it, I guess, at kind of Olympia level. So, frankly, the one thing that I would say in their defence here is that they don't give a fuck what we think. They're looking at people from outside of Dublin with this. That's why they're going for the whole hotel thing and blah, blah, blah. At the same time, yeah, I, I don't know how successful it's going to be. Look, at the very least, though, if like if they let the venue alone and let bookers and promoters and so on and fo- so forth, you know, do the right thing there, at least there will still be a good room in the Which area. Which they may do. Yes, you, exactly. You, you yeah. know, we're, yeah. we're being pessimistic, but... Uh, they could turn it right. It just or the hotel sound might like be banging. Oh. I don't. Yeah, maybe Follow John Misty will stay there for a couple of months. I oh. I don't worship Vicker Street to the point where this has really upset me. The idea of it upsets me. The you know the kind of let's just gentrify the fuck out of Dublin as hard as we can. You know I'm seeing that happen all the time, and like there's some good aspects to it and some bad aspects to it, and we'll see what happens. But as regards anything else, I mean, I fear. Johnny Logan residency. Do you know what I mean? I fear like some kind of that he's going to live in the hotel or some kind of weird thing where it's like, well, hang on, we have to like. I, I fear residencies. I fear like cruise ship, like fucking destination venue. Yeah. To justify this, you know, because like, so okay, although, although, you thinking what I'm thinking? If the SS Kid Rock decides to dock, <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, well, then sure, but surely they're just surely they can play the Grand ship. Canal Theatre and like come all the way in up the Liffey. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Have we and all read? Have we all read the amazing which yeah. is put away the GQ SS, all aboard the SS Kid Rock? I have not. Can you please summarize this? Oh, you have to. Please, um, please I don't think you'll manage to do it very quickly. It's GQ, isn't it? I think yeah. Yeah. Drew, Drew McGarry. Basically, there's you know the the Weezer cruise. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. So imagine that, except instead of Weezer, it's uh, Kid Rock and a bunch of Republicans. So oh, he basically wow. went on it and spent like three days yeah. and just. It's just like hell on the ocean. <laughs> well, it's kind of how hell has to have joyous. He ends up actually kind of being one around here. Like he kind of gets red pills somehow. <laughs> he also gets alcohol poisoning at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but that's just part of the fun, really. Uh, I think that comes with your ticket to a kid on cruise. I could, uh, I could find a place with my flamecaster on the sides <laughs> hey, of the boat yeah. as it's coming through the lippy. They love, like, they love sure. you. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, Mixed finally, race might not work. <laughs> finally, on news to bring us into. Um, uh, our album review. Uh, Kanye West, of course, launched Yay at a big listening party in Wyoming um, by the Diamond Cross Ranch. And the owner has basically said it was a terrible mistake. <laughs> she said it was the most confusing event in the site's history. They changed the plan every 30 minutes, violated the area's strict noise ordinances, and the nearby ranches called in complaints. And, of course, they didn't charge nearly as much as Kanye spent on sending private planes to pick up people from all over the United States. 
Oh, wow. uh, she did say, however, that they'd be open to a day concert that might feature good music. She did not mean good music. <laughs> Anyone surprised? Really? No, I was wondering, was like Jackson Hole going to become this like place where people are like, oh, I just got to go there and, you know, it would become Pilgrimage. like, yeah, like the, going to Berlin for Bowie. and Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Grand old no, opera. Ter- turns out it hasn't. <laughs> well, I guess there's no better way to segue into our album of the week. The first time in No Encore history that we've reviewed a Kanye West album, yeah. somehow, because this podcast started about a month after Life of Pablo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's get going. Here is a cut from the rather controversial, hella divisive Kanye West album. This song is called Yikes. She could get menacing, frightening, find help. Sometimes I scare myself, myself. She could get menacing, frightening, find help. Sometimes I scare myself, myself. Tweaking, tweaking off that 2CB high. Is he gonna make it TBD high? Thought I was gonna run DMC high. I done died and lived again on DMT high. See, this the type of high that won't come down. This the type of high that get you gunned down. Easy, easy trolling OD high. Turn TMZ to smack DVD high. Russell Simmons wanna pray for me too. I'ma pray for him cause he got me too. Thinking what if that happened to me too? Then I'm on E News. She could get menacing, frightening, find help. Sometimes I scare myself. Uh, I just, myself. I just wanted to point out the irony that you guys finally have a Kanye album to review, and our our very own Craig on Kanye cannot be present. This, this. Uh... You think someone well, so concerned with brand awareness wouldn't let us down? And he hasn't, has he, Cullum? He has not. Take a listen to this. Shut up, Craig on Kanye. Hey, you. Uh, sorry I couldn't be there. I'm mere moments uh, away from doing yet another college presentation. Fun, fun, fun. But I have to, like, really get in there and uh, talk about how Kanye is officially cancelled. Jokes? Um, no, of course. Unsurprisingly, I am really, really digging this seven-track album. Um... <laughs> It's not without its flaws, for sure. If you come into this looking for a return to some semblance of Kanye flow, well, it's kind of absent. Um, And there's a few kind of lyrical clunkers here and there, but it's not really a rap album. And if you put that to one side, what you get is a pretty incredible experience. Uh, I think musically, it it sits together really well. The 20 minutes, you know... The runtime really works. Um, I love how sparse the sounds are. It reminds me quite a bit of a Yeezus, uh, just in terms of that kind of starkness. But it's the anti-Yeezus in many ways. It's not that confrontational, harsh thing. It's, you know, if Yeezus was a bruise, this is very much the bam. There's huge warmth to these synths. Uh, there's a feeling of kind of acceptance and release. Um, and he's getting very personal, but... Uh, he's not putting up a kind of barrier or making excuses for himself. Uh, he's just really all in on it. So, yeah, um, very much enjoying it. Uh, I think the choice of title, you know, lowercase yay, says it all. Hugely autobiographical. Done apparently in two weeks, which is 
um, a bit mind-boggling. It would be nice if he spent maybe more than three weeks or a month on one of his own albums just in future um, because this for me is an 8 out of 10, probably rising to an 8.5. But, you know, that's probably low in Kanye's expectations. It doesn't have the howlers that uh, The Life of Pablo has. I'm not going to try and reorder this track listing because I think it, yeah, as I say, works together really well as a piece. So all the kind of nonsense around... Um, Kanye being cancelled or the context or people taking things out of context it melts away when the music is this good Roll On, uh, the Cuddy collaboration Roll On Nas um, and this is really an epic summer of yay Digging it, love you guys, peace and love, see you next week Some lofty claims from Craig Fitzpatrick Uh, Oh yeah So where to start, I mean I don't know where to start with this After a week I don't know where to start with this Do you like it? Uh, Yes Okay. A lot of that people. That seems a good place to start. That's the end of the review. <laughs> a lot of people dismissed this album quite gleefully, I felt, sure. within an hour of it coming out. So it drops on Friday at around two o'clock our time. I was working. Realistically. So I found it difficult to kind of actively focus on and listen to. However, I noted. Um, like there was a review on the UK Independent <laughs> up at three o'clock. Well, no, they literally did it live. But then they also packaged it as it's the review, and I'm like, and no, they said they said it, they said, the they said it was first listen track well. by track. But they also had the word review in the main title sure. of the thing. Well, yeah, but that's just hits. It's still misleading as fuck. Right. Uh, meanwhile, you had other people, um, friend of the show, Dean Van Wyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, saying where's the real album Kanye and like this is trash whatever the fuck whoever he put it after about what presumably four listens I don't know I've had other people kind of come at me over the weekend and asking me like what do you think of it what do you think of it what do you think of it where do you think it stands in his pantheon and I was like it's out two days can we please please just take some time with this this is what happens we know this I know but it's incredibly frustrating no matter how short the album is essentially I feel like no matter what he would have done it's backlash time um, no, you see, no, no, no. I, and this album certainly doesn't help that. I, yeah, no, that's the thing. I disagree with you with the first part. I completely agree with the second, right? The deal with Kanye, right, is that, like, okay, I've thought about this, right? I've even come up with a snappy name. It's the Kanye Coefficient, right? It's basically whatever level of douchebaggery Kanye has reached in the pre- period leading up to an album, the album has to surpass that. If you can put actual numbers on them. And basically, throughout his career, he's been fine. And so everyone just goes, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. This is the first time where I feel his douchebaggery level has been above the album that follows. And therefore, that's why it's backlash time. There's people with 15 years of pent-up aggression who feel as though they couldn't go at Kanye because he kept producing at such a high level. Now is their time. Does he deserve that? Not 15 years worth of it. Certainly not. Does he deserve a backlash simply because of his Twitter behavior and the slavery thing and everything? Like, does he deserve to have all these things compromise his art? Well... Has he compromised his own art? I was about to say, he's compromised his own art because of these things. So, you know, like, like I feel when you redo the album in sort of like two weeks, a month, whatever it was, in the aftermath of a lot of the stuff that he'd been coming out with in terms of the MAGA hat and in terms of the slavery thing and in terms of his kind of... Candace Owen support and all the rest of it. Um, I I think you're drawing that on yourself. I think you're also sort of almost kind of like setting camp as like, you know, right, we're going to deal with this last month. And the album fails to do so. And I think that's a, the source of a lot of frustration from people mm-hmm. after this. I I don't know. I felt I felt a lot of the lead up to it where I think I, I th- one thing I think is that people were 
willfully misunderstanding him because they wanted to go at him for quite some time. Sure. Like, don't get me wrong, Kanye can make his own mistakes, but I just I found it really distasteful in this particular instance because we've we've watched over the past you know the past couple of years so many huge artists that have have taken their own lives have had mm. you know suffered with so many me- mental health issues and all the goodwill or grace that people claimed to have when these people passed away these outpourings on the internet did not apply to to Kanye like he was appearing on things saying that he was he was medicated that he was having issues this that and the other and then he says something ugly and people are like well this is disgusting yeah it's like I, I don't think it's fair to I, I just I found that I, I found that kind of hard to to deal with um it seemed uh it it, it just seemed a bit a bit rough in in my opinion yeah um I kind of feel you kind of have to take everything that he was saying into this album because inevitably and I, like I hate being cynical but like like when Pablo came out he went on a tweet spiral and he says lots of shit lots mm-hmm. of stuff is really stupid he had the, the Bill Cosby comments before Pablo came out and like the cynic in me says like he's just getting some getting some press yeah. before it comes out I also wonder where he feels his places in the world in rap music like he's always he's always been the iconoclast of rap like when he first came out he essentially was like the one man mission against gangster rap he had um mm. when graduation came out there was like the kind of the big kind of sort of half feud with 50 cent when he's bringing out mm-hmm. you know he's spoken out against homophobia he's like he's pushed against what rap music traditionally is um at the current time and now when you're bringing out a rap album like rap's a different place it's like a far more open place um mm. and i'm wondering is he just like i need to push against something you know rap's got super liberal do i need to go super right yeah sort of like just just to kind of be um pushing against the grain one of the things as well that and craig kind of like you know, mentioned kind of like acceptance on this record whereas when you say kind of like finding his place in in the rap world and in the world in general i think in in popular culture and as a young black man, then as a rich young black man, then as like this, you know, titan of the industry, basically. But he's always kind of done it on mic. There's always been, you know, he's the yin to his own yang in a way. You can hear that sort of struggle, that paradox that lives within him. And that's not here. And I kind of miss it. Well, I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if I agree with that. Just to a certain extent. Because I, I kind of, one thing I noticed on the record that, um, that I really enjoyed was there. I always think you can break Kanye's uh, Kanye's career into kind of post the pre the tragic death of his mother and and, and post mm. where all of the optimism just seemed to be sucked out of him. Right. He 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 lost that kind of boyish hey mama char- for lack of a better song, but but that 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 sort of wide eyed optimism and 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 kind of joy and. I felt that was kind of leaking back in on this record. It was the first time in a long time where I heard things like "Wouldn't Leave" and 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 violent crimes. And I know there's problematic uh, issues with some of that, but I really felt like there was there was, there was that kind of it was coming back on. Like, yeah, but you, you see, it's, it's it's funny that you mentioned those two songs because I feel like I feel like old Kanye couldn't possibly have. And and frankly, I'm not even saying this is necessarily old Kanye because I'm also very aware that when you do a record in a fortnight or something, mm-hmm. you just might not have the space to take a step back and say hang on there's things on these two songs that are really rather contradictory and deserve to either be played out a little bit more or fleshed out a little bit more or 
you know, equalised in some way, rather than being left standing as two very disparate, sort of weird additions to this record. The theme of the record is almost bipolar. Well, sure, yeah. You know, so. there, there's little doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's so strange to pick an album here which is quite sparse in terms of what's actually in there. And yeah, I think there's a lot more going on underneath the surface than people are giving it credit for. At the same time, I am very aware of, and I am guilty of, wanting to project a lot onto this um, and also to go with Kanye on whatever journey this is. Because I originally, back in the day, didn't like him at all. I was very turned off by him. And then I think it was, I you know, I kind of started to soften on him here and there. But it was Yeezus was the album that really brought me in. It hit me in the face. And then I went back and I listened to him properly. And I was like, hang on a minute. I've been completely wrong about this. He's amazing. Now, this is simultaneously a step down. And also, it's a, a Kanye West step forward in, in its own kind of strange way. We're already getting some takes on it kind of being like, this is going to be like thought about as a revisionist masterpiece a la 808s, which I think is a masterpiece. Um, I don't know if this is. It probably isn't. Uh, I like it, though. I will say that. I think there's more going on than it's getting the credit for in a lot of ways. I mean, for example, I think it's it speaks to the current time that we're in with Kanye West and also how he's, quote unquote, let people down on this one. That the opening track, I Thought About Killing You, I think is, you know... It's a difficult listen, mm. yeah, but also it's one of the most like explicit and honest portrayals of a man's psyche or a human being's psyche. I mean, like it's hard not to go gender uh, gender specific here, given some of the crimes that he's allegedly committed on this album. So ost- ostensibly, he's talking about killing himself and presumably killing his wife Kim, and you know it's that thing of like things you don't say out loud. Ever. Did you? I think, thought he was. Saying... I thought he was talking about killing himself because the whole oh, yeah. bipolar, and I also thought... like he's he's modulating his voice. So I thought it's it was like he's having a conversation mm. with his. Other I self. thought it was both. I, I think Kim Kardashian West enters into the conversation at some point. Yeah, I think I took that... it differently. Well, see, there you go. I mean, like, I, I think it's my initial reaction to it was, yeah, he's talking about himself. This is this is without question him looking in a mirror, and I think for the most part it is. But I think there's also an admission there of like, you know, the person I love the most outside of myself you know, which, of course, would be his wife or his children, could also be a quote-unquote target for the mania and the problems that he's feeling. And so when this album came out, right, I was working last week, and then I didn't really get to listen to it properly as much as I would wanted to have, and then I went home and I had a therapy session um, at, like, 9 o'clock on a Friday night, which is a weird time to have a therapy session. And I went to it, and I sat in a room that's as hot as this one is right now, and I listened to the Candy album probably for the first time on the way down, I listened to it after my session was over. I listened to it at night when I couldn't sleep at three in the morning. And I found myself, during that therapy session, which was a difficult one, I found myself saying things out loud, and I was prefacing them to my counsellor. I was kind of saying, listen, I'm going to say something right now, and, you know, I assure you it's not a thing I want to do, or whatever the fuck, you know. And then she kind of joked. She was like, oh, don't worry, there's like a straitjacket in that uh, cupboard, which I thought was nice, kind of put me at ease. But the point is... That's one thing to do it in a room with a relative stranger that you're paying money to or whatever. It's one thing to do with your friend in a pub, that kind of level of trust and to say things that are, you know, things that you're not supposed to think or not supposed to say or not supposed to feel or whatever. And I'm not talking anything horrifically heinous here, just kind of weird intrusive yeah. thought shit, you know, which we, I presume we all fucking feel. But to do it as the opening track of your new album, I mean, like, he's, yeah, but he's getting no credit for that. You know what? You see, like, here's the thing. Like, if you project that sort of real sympathy and empathy completely, then I think, yeah, you know, this whole say it out loud, see how it feels 
can sound really sympathetic. At the same time, I think that is the exact sort of like conservative Kool-Aid that people sip when they want to turn free speech into consequence free speech. And so when Kanye wants to be, you know, I'm just a free thinker. And it's like, well, dude, nobody's done more to build yourself up as a leader of a community than you have. So actually, when you go on a weird slavery rant, for instance, it has far, far greater effects yeah, the slavery than you're that's, just getting that's it That's fair. That's totally fair to call him on. He completely got that wrong but, on, on a gigantic, colossal level and, and was completely... And, and he doesn't deal with it here. But why he doesn't? Why should he? But Beca- why because, be- because he admits that it's so huge. He but, constantly he constantly references it. He doesn't constantly reference. Well, it. He, he frequently in this album talks about like him ringing up in hysterics. He talks about turning TMZ into Smack DVD, etc. Imagine if they caught me on a wild day. Yeah, over and over again, TMZ is flagged up as being this big issue, and he just. He doesn't deal with it. In fact, he mentioned the other day that he deleted bars about slavery from this record. Did, did which you listen? Just sounds sounds lazy. I think frankly. I think he's taking the loss on that one. I think there's Can laziness you? across but this hang on, record. Hang on, we're getting away from we're, we're getting away from the other part, like the part the talk, like whether it's suicide or whether it's homicide or, or whether it's mm. both. I mean, why does admittedly he said a reprehensible, ignorant thing that he was called upon and he was shot down on, and mm-hmm. rightly so. But why does that negate these feelings? Why are these feelings not valid? Oh, they don't. They don't. They don't. They don't. I understand all. if you're saying from a wider point of view, it's difficult to have that empathy and that sympathy with someone who has fucked up so colossally, and it speaks to the human condition. I think that like this Kanye West is less sympathetic, or whatever. At the same time, I still think he's with this song. I think he's put himself out there in a way that a lot of people, most people, don't, and that in itself should be commended. And I think he actually does it quite skillfully as well. That's it. Like. It's a bizarre song, and I think mm. it works. It's a, it is a bizarre song. It is. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it does work. It's fine. Like, I weirdly took that it was uh, him talking about his fan base when he was uh, referencing it at the start, where he's talking about you know with okay. with the track. That that was the way I read it. Um, I think it's kind of interesting that I can, as you guys are describing it, I'm like, well, that's a completely different way it could be looked at, which is just as valid. And I I, I think. I think that's a testament to his songwriting um, to to leave things as open ended as that. Now maybe it is projecting, but I I think people kind of throw that at Kanye a little too often. That well, he's probably not as clever as I think he's been. He's probably he. I'm probably just really clever, and uh, I read into it. Yeah. And here's all the records I haven't made. <laughs> like, um, I mean, elsewhere in the record, I, I mean, is it fair? To, do we all feel that Ghost Town is the standout here? I mean, for me, it's the track that's going to yeah, stand I think, up. Yeah, I mean, the the interesting thing about Ghost Town is that Kanye's verse is like maybe the fifth best thing on yeah. it. <laughs> like it's, it's a pretty poor verse. Like obviously the uh, 070 Shake uh, verse, like Ty Dollar's verse, Mike Dean's guitar. Although like to me, that's just like it's a holdover from My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Like Hell. a lot of this mm, record like a holdover. is... And what I kind of... I'm struggling with and why I don't think it's it's great is that Normally, when a Kanye album came out, he'd be like, here's the future. And with this, sure. he's just like, he's gone and he's cherry picked uh, in his back catalog. Like, I mean, no mistakes is like going back to like, you know, pitching up some soul samples and like get Charlie Wilson in there. It's like it's it's playing the hits, but it's the hits, you know, like are nowhere near as good. Yeah, I, I, I agree that it is less forward thinking, essentially, that there used to be a sort of a. Like Kanye used to make the rules, 
and there's a feeling that it's not that case anymore. But I still think that's okay. I still think it's oh, all sure. right. Oh, yeah, sure. It's, still, it's yeah. fine. It's grand. But that's exactly I what this album is. I will say, I find this album equally frustrating and fascinating. And I am annoyed that there was another album that just got scrapped. And then it's like, here's that's one, a I, hard one, to here's take one I did in a month, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. but he was still writing fucking lyrics and vocals for years two days before we went to the studio or whatever. Or like, I, I, I weirdly feel Supposedly there's... Supposedly en route to the studio. Mm-hmm. I weirdly feel there's a kind of speaker box love below with the Pusha T record in this. And maybe that's just because <laughs> I want it to be that way. So I'm listening to the two of them all the time together. Right. Um, but like, even if you just take those two records coming out so quickly and the amount of phenomenal music that's on that. I know, obviously, it's it's Pusha T's record, but his his fingerprints are all over it. Oh, listen. and That's like, the future yeah, in itself. The, the thing mm. is that, like, Kanye's ability to, like, source samples or create beats or even, indeed, to curate, because, like you say, I mean, like, a 70 Shake, I mean, you know, for me, is the standout verse on this record entirely. But, you know, he's still got an ear for, like, you know, who should get involved and when, and mm. usually it pays off pretty well. Um, you know, that's Kanye. And I, d- I don't think... I don't think he's capable of losing that almost. I think if he woke him up out of bed and, and, and just said, right, you got an hour, he'd probably be able to throw something decent together. One point I'd make on on, on what we were saying about the 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 kind of problematic nature, I, I really enjoyed the fact that he references in one track, you guys can correct me of whatever song I'm talking about, but he doesn't take advice from anyone less successful than him. Yeah. And then he essentially admits to a ghostwriter at the end of the track with Nicki Minaj. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's phenomenal in itself. I think he's more subtle with the good things he does sometimes the, and more the Minaj, with the bad things. The Nicki Minaj thing I think is really clever, yeah. I think it's done in a, in a cool kind of like handing over you know authorship and ownership kind of way without making mm. a huge fuss about it but also kind of giving her the platform that way and letting her take it and I mean also that song Violent Crimes I mean yeah it's come under fire because people yeah. are like you know it's terrible people it's are like, awful man. People, it's really terrible people are like he's sexualizing really his daughter wrong. and I'm like I, I again you know I'm always I guess I'm always gonna be the angel on Kanye's shoulder in this argument but however I don't think he's necessarily sexualizing his daughter I think what he's doing is he's going look how much of a fucking hypocrite I am and he's, I would agree and he's copping to it now granted yeah it's a treacly Naz-esque I've got a daughter now well, don't, don't grow titties because you know daddy can concentrate on two things at once yeah <laughs> You see that that that's, that's the big. That, 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 that's songs. the big thing. No, 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 <laughs> but you know, no, no, they're, no, they're no, on the same true. record. He's yeah, like he's he's completely a contrast with himself with things he's saying on this album. He wants to take people to the titty shop. He's like, <laughs> but at the same time, like you know, I, and I find it's weird that he's like, you know, don't don't be like your mother. Essentially, is what yeah. he said on that. He's yeah. like, don't, I, you know, I don't want you to be like your mother, which is. Pretty fucking awful. It, it, I mean, like, I, I get the idea of, like, you know, releasing that. I, I read someone online saying they could picture Naz with his hand on Kanye's shoulder going, <laughs> no, it's, it's time, time, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, like, while I get releasing that song, you know, I'm a daughter, the world has changed me. And it's like, well, has it changed you in the past three songs? And what I don't because get, otherwise it's getting weird here. For, for someone who said that, uh, you know, that he, he wants women to be something to nurture, not to conquer... He idolized his mother so much. He mm. held her up in such mm. high esteem. It's like, well, how does how is nothing like this this revelation ever <laughs> not hit him until he's yeah. forty years old? Yeah. Look, it's not ideal, okay. <laughs> no. but, but, but maybe he's not r- realizing it on the track. Maybe he's just 
putting it on the track. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't necessarily just because he he talks about him. You know, I I I understand that now women aren't to be conquered or the likes. He, he could be putting it forward as just a conversation piece in the song. I don't necessarily. I know it's hard with Kanye to try to separate that it's him directly talking about himself and in a song that he's clearly talking about. Well, look, his daughter. With, okay, with, with, <laughs> Life, with Life Pablo, I've I've always thought of that album as it's Kanye's id running free and wild, <laughs> and whenever happens, happens. With this one, and the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, I think this is Kanye West having an argument with himself, uh, for better and for worse. And I think ultimately, he contradicts himself a million times in the first track, in the end track, here and there, it happens. And I think ultimately, it's him going, this is what it's like inside my brain at the moment. And I can't fully get it right. And I can't, I'm probably going to get it wrong. And he is getting it wrong in a lot of regards. And I've seen people say stuff like, you know, fuck any man who it takes them until they're 40 years old and having a daughter for them to suddenly respect women. And again, yeah, not ideal. Very bad. Not good. But the point is, not everyone is fucking enlightened. Not everyone actually is respectful of other people and, and of other genders. And it, yeah, it sucks, but most people are shit. And yeah, most yeah, people yeah, are yeah. 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 Thing is, is that mean, Kanye he, has been but woke be, before. He was like at the forefront of trying to kill homophobia in rap. That's true, yeah. And for him to be that naive... But he could be, in his but career. he could simply be that naive. Like it's just like that's a human failing. Like and is a human being not allowed to gain some perspective and oh, grow absolutely. and change. And like, you said like this is like inside his head, but like my problem with what's inside his head is that there's a lot of really shitty bars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think Yikes is a banger. Is Yikes not a banger? And I know it's got that Russell Simmons thing that I think people have taken up wrong. I think he's dissing Russell I, Simmons. Yeah, that's a joke. That's, that's, yeah. that's And I don't think he is like slamming the Me Too mo- uh, movement. I think it's just a typical provocative and clunky Kanye way of referencing It's an it. incredibly clunky way though because... But right- it's Kanye. It's what he does. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but that's not good. I know, but I'm just saying <laughs> like, 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 for people to suddenly be like, what? No, like, no, because, because no, like he literally said, "What happens if I get me tooed?" Right now, in this current climate, like that's a Chekhov's gun of sorts. Like you have yeah. to actually explore that, and he does for one line saying, "I'd end up on E News," and that's it. That's and you're actually just like one of the things. That's is that the ha- level? Is that the depth to which we're going to consider this? One of the things that happens on this album is that he'll get a good line. So, like, I I thought the uh, Russell Simmons said he's going to pray yeah. for me too. Mm. Then he got me too. And I was like, that's good because Russell Simmons has taken being a high and mighty. He's like, oh, we got to worry about Kanye. Yeah. He's like, fucking look after your own house, Russell <laughs> Simmons. And then there's another good line where he's like, all that, all those thoughts on Christian Mingle. That's what went what got, got Christian, Christian single. single. <laughs> which is a great line. But yeah. then he compares Tristan Thompson to Kobe Bryant. Which yeah. is yeah. garbage. Nonsense, yeah. Like I, said, like I said, it just, a ton of this album feels like the easy way out. It's the, be- it's the best way that I can put it. Fr- from certain rhymes to certain kind of contradictions that he doesn't want to address to even certain beats where honestly you just think and fair enough I understand it from a creative point of view but like eight years ago Kanye wouldn't have been flying radio producers from across America to try to get airplay he'd be polishing these beats up so that nobody could not play them (laughs) and maybe that's just where we're at with Kanye at this point as an artist maybe some of that hunger and work ethic, which, to be fair, was ridiculous earlier yeah. in his career, is now gone. I've read the threads, I've read the reviews, I've read the Pitchfork review, which I felt was kind of agenda-ridden, though well-written. And I think it has an ending that I found it very difficult to argue with, where the writer was kind of saying, well, look, you know, I think of the young, hungry kid in Chicago and where he's at now in this kind of opulent mansion out in the middle of nowhere and has nothing around him apart from just extreme wealth and all these kind of white walls and whatever the hell. And I'm like, yeah, totally fair, totally valid. But is that fair and valid? Is that fair to, like, put that at him because, like, he's he's now a victim of his own success? Like, you know, people well, have no problem doing it to Eminem. 
Yeah, and what what's more as well, I mean, I you know, I I don't think people dislike him because he's rich and he's living in a mansion. And 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 if they did, you know, <laughs> you can pick apart quite a few of the albums that he's, had, that he's released since are more to the point you can't because they're too good to do it she's been storing that criticism up since he got rich <laughs> is basically the issue if he dropped an absolute clonker with my beautiful dark twisted fantasy especially after like Obama's Taylor, called, Taylor Swift, yeah, yeah. Obama's out yeah. there calling him a jackass like that 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 was his ultimate like douchebaggery that's where the Kanye coefficient was at its highest <laughs> he needed a slam dunk on that record and he got it and people were just like shit we gotta put up with this you're really pushing this Kanye coefficient thing aren't you yeah, oh hell I'm yeah. It. yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's, um, a, it's a brand now <laughs> yeah, coefficient it. with a K or what's the story <laughs> it's comedy K's of course yeah fair enough Krusty's comedy classic um yeah, I, I mean... Musically, it's sparse. At times, it's unfocused. I guess that reflects where he's at now. I'm in the strange position of the fandom where I just, I can't fully, you know, be like... I'm, I'm trying can't to... turn your back on him. I can't turn my back on him, no, because he's yet to do something that's so reprehensible to me, though. Because even like... Oh, sure. Even the everything, I was like, he's just being a fucking idiot. Like, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. I don't think he's actually being like, sit down and thought about this. He's just saying something out loud that he hasn't thought about. And then he got schooled. And I was glad <laughs> to see him get schooled. So, yeah, there's there's enough on here that I'm like, I think, you know, there's stuff that will resonate, has resonated with me and will connect. The, I think the middle portion of the album is quite boring. Um, I think Ghost Town's a pretty fucking great song. Mm. It's a strange one. It's I'm still, like, unpacking it in my head, and I do wonder what it will sound like in a year when there's no hype and it's whatever the fuck. I guess it's a 7 out of 10. Uh... I go six. I think it's there's a lot of easy way out. There's laziness here, and some of the successes are qualified. Um, it's not terrible because, like I said earlier, I think it would take you know it, it would take intentional trolling, like lift yourself for mm. Kanye to actually make thank a God terrible thing. thing by the way. But uh, yeah, it, it's not good. It doesn't deserve the sort of histrionic criticism that it's received. But um, yeah, it's it's just not particularly good, unfortunately. Yeah, I will. I was kind of like toying with it, and I'm probably in the because I'm I'm gonna go with the, <laughs> apply no seven rule to myself. <laughs> like, yeah, I kind of feel like it. It probably is a six as well. Um, I feel it's his least focused work. Um, yeah. you know, I'm not gonna put out my Kanye ratings, but it's <laughs> certainly probably lower down and kind of just. There was a really good quote actually just about it and kind of kind of summed up how I felt about him just kind of in the the ringer uh, with Matt James. He said, even after the fallout from his political statements, I don't think you can argue against Kanye being a major influence on American culture. If you don't care about him, though, I no longer care to try to convince you otherwise. And I'm just like, I like I'm, I find it hard to make the argument to like I've loads of <laughs> friends who hate Kanye. And now I'm just like, you know. He's not backing up. Yeah. As you said, your coefficient is perfect for it. So, unfortunately, six. I am really looking forward to the Cuddy album because apparently Ghost Town was originally on it. So, if, oh, wow. if you're going to give me seven Ghost Town quality tracks, yeah. all for it. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm going to be different than you guys on this one. Um, I, I think this album is exactly... I think it's a perfect realisation of what he was trying to do. If If bipolar is what he was basing this record around, I think that describes it. Um... And I, I, I loved the Francis and the Lights production on a couple of tracks. I thought that was inspired. Uh, uh, it's a nine for me. I, I, I think it's top drawer stuff. 
We said it was divisive. Well, that's that's something I really love about it, though. And I, I love that, for better or for worse, whether you're angry or whether you're sad or whether you're happy, people are caring. They give a fuck, sure. you know? Yeah. Can I ask one question? Uh, since you've listened to Yay, have you gone and listened to any other Kanye album? Because over the weekend, went back to Dark Twisted Fantasy Ooh, and Life of Pablo. <laughs> I went to college is, dropout today. Okay. I did a little bit of Dark Twisted Fantasy the other day. I actually, always yeah. find that's not a great sign. Well, when? I'm just kind of, you know, dipping in and out. Yeah. I know it's a short album. It's a short album, so like, I don't want to overdose on it, you know? No, I did not. Well, there you go. I mean, to be fair, I guess to kind of back up what Dave was saying there at the end, I mean, like, I have written, like, probably, like, two-thirds of a piece um, in my head. I, I'm wondering, you know, like, should I commit to this? Should I not? <laughs> I don't know. And like, like, that's the best way of saying it. And again, like, to go back to my therapy session, I found myself saying I don't know a lot in that session, and I don't know with this candy album. It's kind of... Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of A Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's A Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central. Only on PBS. Fucking head fucked me, you know? So Fair like, enough. Again, I want time with it. We'll All see right. what happens. Well, someone who's thinking perfectly clearly is Dr. Magicoco beside <laughs> me. We promised a listening guide earlier in the episode. He will now take the reins. As we look at, uh, yeah, one, one of those colossal figures of rock with one of those colossal uh, discographies where you think, where do I begin? And Nick Cave. Thank you very much. Um, well, as as a as someone who has tragically failed at making a getting into Nick Cave playlist before for our friend Dave Hanratty, there you didn't that, fail. I failed. I, I did call it Nick Dave though, which I thought should have gotten right, some right. props, but unfortunately not. No, I've See, tried. I failed. So. <laughs> I've I've tried to I've tried to keep this uh, sparse uh, and to the point because as, as you're saying, his career is so varied and so large. It's it's uh, you you could do a, a fifty track uh, intro, and he's one of those weird artists that. I, I, I think you could legitimately be a fan of his and call any of his records, apart from Nocturama, your favorite record. And I right. think you'd have a very good argument to make to that. So uh, will we go track by track? Yeah, let's do so. Track by track. So I opened this up with Tupelo, which is... I tried to keep it chronological in, in that I did keep it chronological. Okay, well, um, let's, let's take a listen and then we'll come back in and see how chronological the whole thing is. <laughs> So uh, I I started this off with Tupelo because um, I think this weirdly sets up a lot of the things in his career that he 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 would look at a lot of the topics that he looks through. So th- this is kind of Miltonic slabs of, of of verse where there's a there's a biblical storm and there's the birth of twins that mirror the birth of Elvis, but also the birth of the Lord and the repetition of the King and and this kind of this kind of beauty through the mire. Is 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 very much a template for for a lot of Nick's um, 
songwriting in my opinion so you you, you have you have uh this kind of trudging storm coming through and and uh but little little touches of like horrific beauty like the the shoebox tied with a ribbon of red for one of the children who's passed away and it's it's just stunning and it's always good to open with a storm i think if you're right. <laughs> uh then uh, the mercy seat The Mercy Seed, I, I, I read before that uh, Nick Cave referred to this as the most bulletproof song they ever wrote. And I think it's it's interesting. His reason for it was that he said he could make it the most sparse track in a set or the heaviest uh, track in a set, and it was equally impactful. You've got a, a um, an, an untrustworthy narrator telling you that they're completely confident in themselves and they're they're just trying to pass off the shekels of decision as they're going to move to death and the, the track builds and builds and builds to the point at the end where they start to falter and it's just it's it's just a powerhouse craig called it the sound of the summer last night after the gig that i presume he attended oh he will yeah. have to guess <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird impulse otherwise mate <laughs> he's I always mean, shooting that end <laughs> maybe he was just feeling it who knows up next the song is called Straight to You. All the towers of ivory are crumbling And the swallows have sharpened their beat This is the time of So straight to you is uh, is a personal favorite of mine. I think uh, I think it shows a lot of his cleverness. It it's it it feels like a love song. It feels like one of the kind of first major key bad seeds love songs because you got to remember they're coming from the birthday party. They're coming from the boys next door. These are you know these difficult punk bands and they have a lot of really difficult punk uh, gothic Elvis records. Um, but with straight to you, you've got a track that was admittedly quite well covered by josh groban like this is the this is the weird realm we're in here but you listen to it as a love song but you you look at the lines that he's saying like the chariots of angels are colliding and like it's it's an end of the world situation where he's he's giving you all this brilliant once again miltonic imagery and just saying at the end of it he's still he's still gonna find them and it 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 just uh it's uh it's the kind of love song only he could write i think but given given like his kind of you know gothic nature and all this kind of stuff, the things that regularly get thrown at him, the tags that he kind of wears, I guess quite literally wears, and even mm. how he styles himself. I guess for both of you, because I know Higgs, you're a you're you're a, you're a fan. Of that gig you saw last year was it Italy. Yeah, it was Italy. So I saw what would have been, I guess, the same tour, the uh, Skeleton Tree tour. You said it was one of the best shows. Was it's top five? I did never. Seen them before. I'd seen Grinderman before, so it was first time. I mean, it was like way, 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 way back, but just in terms of performance, just second to none. But I guess I mean, what I'm wondering when it comes to this kind of lyrical style and his general approach, 
how is it possible to get those cracks of light into what appears to be? Huh. And one of the reasons why I didn't, why I guess, yeah, I guess I did resist your playlist that you made me because I was just like, it's just so dark. It's see, just so dark. <laughs> I, I, I sometimes think seeing them live is 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 key to it because he's so he's so humorous and and enjoyable on stage while also being like a spider like he 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 sh- you have to see it in motion yeah. to kind of understand it but if you listen to their discography there's there's so much humor and I was actually going to say it's that. actually useful as well maybe t- to do it chronologically because you can almost see the real anger and 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 frustration kind of melting away over the years Absolutely, to an extent yeah, yeah he's he softened over time um <laughs> and something that you would not normally see perhaps in a in a listening guide although befitting Nick Cave is uh, dredging up a song from the late 1800s and covering it <laughs> And on that note, we'll move on to Stagger Lee. He said, Mr. Motherfucker, you know who I am. And the barkeeper said, no, and I don't give a good goddamn to Stagger Lee. He said, well, bartender, it's a plain to see. I'm the bad motherfucker called Stagger Lee. Mr. Stagger Lee. Well, the I've I've got a little anecdote about this song actually. This this was this was the first uh, Bad Seeds track I ever heard, and my friends and I used to when we were in college, we'd sneak into empty lecture halls after everybody had gone home. We'd hook our laptops up and we'd we'd play loads of music. And I remember when this song came on, you know, everybody was talking, and the bass line and that staccatoed guitar just started started cutting. And the opening lines is the it was back in '32 when times were hard. He had a Colt 45 and a deck of cards, and he just spits off Mike. And I remember just being like. Everyone stop talking now. Just <laughs> give me the next couple of minutes to yeah. find out what this is, who this is, and what is going on. I must say, of all the lines you could have chosen to recite on our podcast, I'm glad that was the one. It could have taken a really awkward turn there for a moment. Yeah, uncharacteristically, I just no. Um, but um, yeah, it just, and and I, I think that's the real that's the, that's the real power of his storytelling. He actually he actually makes me care when he's telling a story what the story is about. Like as you're saying, eighteen hundreds, you know, riverboat pimp mm-hmm. um, uh, that that he just he he contorts and shifts into. Uh, his own kind of murder ballad, and that whole record is 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 stunning from that point of view. The fact that he could write so many songs about the same topic. Granted, it was in his wheelhouse, but that you're actually interested and it's varied. Uh, I, I murder ballads was the first record for me uh, that I had ever heard, and I became completely obsessed. Uh, so, and, and Staggerly is a live staple. Like there is, there are few live songs uh, oh. I, that compare with it. Like the stomp of that song is monstrous, and it's normally kind of a ends it as well. Yeah, just, he's like in the crowd, just completely. It's like he's just been possessed going through absolutely and he's the extra live verse there's a verse at the end i won't recite all of it but um th- there's a verse at the end where the devil comes to take staggerly and it doesn't go particularly well um. <laughs> all right um moving on to people ain't no good people Came, seasons went, 
So th- th- this is this is where the kind of breadth of his songwriting, I think, really comes into play. They they touched on ballads and the likes in on the Good Son and, and a couple of records before, but with a, a famous breakup with PJ Harvey, uh, this this album was born. And and this album is a kind of interesting moment where you feel uh, you feel the band slightly shifting away from Mick Harvey. Um, because I think at this point Warren was a full time member. Like he appeared on murder ballads, but 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 he 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 was in he was in the mix now. And I I was, I was discussing with uh, Higgins earlier that the 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 um there's a live video of uh, them playing um, West Country Girl, uh, like an MTV unplugged or something. And it's I I recommend anyone to go and watch it uh, because. That song has a Harvey guitar riff that Warren Ellis is playing, like mirroring on on okay. violin. And if you watch it, you can see the camera just repeatedly pulling to the background Warren, and you can see Nick is looking more to Warren than he is. And it's it's kind of tragic to watch, but it's 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 a it's it's a little schism where I don't think they ever recovered from just how perfect those two elements go together. Um, but yeah, people ain't no good. Uh, a, a great song for uh, a, a great song lyrically, a kind of anti-love song, um, and and just beautifully crooned and and melodically played. Some some Nick Cave fans will just fall into that camp. But will they fall into fifteen feet of pure white snow? Oh, where is Joan? They're all out back. Come to fifteen feet of. My neighbor, my neighbor waved to me But my neighbor is my enemy So, 15 Feet of Pure White Snow. Um, apparently, a lot of this record was written around um, Nick kind of recovering and coming off uh, a lot of the harder drugs that he'd been a, a, a fan of. And, um, an aficionado. An aficionado. Yeah, connoisseur. Drugs the, enthusiast. The, the sommelier at your local crackdown. But um, he, uh, yeah, so the entire album has all these kind of references to, you know, maniacal and uh, nurses, but also saviors and all this sort of stuff. But 15 Feet of Pure White Snow, I hear, is a, a, a drug reference. Um, but the reason <laughs> um, the reason I've put this on it is um, it segues musically v- very well into the um, into the uh, Abattoir Blues record, the kind of more choral, um, huge sound that that they began to to cultivate. Um, it has uh, it, it has little touches of it. The song stands by itself. It's it's it, it's it's wonderful. It's lyrically interesting. It has a great. It, I think Blixo was back on this record. Who was a kind of he used to be the guy who made weird sounds in the Bad Seeds before Warren was there. He was uh, he was the guitarist, but he was very much the the uh, kind of wild card uh, musician. But um, yeah, great great song. Up next, in Carlos considered rundown, it's there she goes, comma. My beautiful world. The dark and deep enchanted sea. The trembling moon and the stars unfurled. Oh, there she goes, my beautiful world. There she goes, my beautiful world. There she goes, my beautiful world. 
is poetry riddle with a pie. So this this is this is full on choir uh, music. Um, this is the, 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 this is one of those tracks where he's he's writing about not being able to write a song, uh, and while doing it, right. writing possibly the best song of his career in in my opinion. I, I think I think this is a barnstormer. Uh, one one of my favorite things about this is it it, it references a whole load of um, it references a whole load of uh, geniuses from poets to songwriters, uh, people who just uh, uh, who he idolizes uh and there's a line in it where he got it he got it wrong he references the wrong uh the wrong songwriter and of course the second uh the second i sent this on to harry he was like well you got that one wrong (laughs) 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 um but yeah really really beautiful song He's oh. great line in it. Sorry to, no, to cut across. Uh, uh, after go, you get to see a touch of his humor in it. Where I'll, I'll probably misquote this, but uh, he's a line at the end of it where he's like, uh, uh, "You weren't much of a muse, but uh, I guess I've never been much of a poet." At the end of it, as a huge bombast of music comes in, and you know he's <laughs> like, "I am such the poet," and Nailed that's this. so worked. Yeah. <laughs> and next, we call upon the author. What we once saw, we had, we didn't uh, And what we have now will never be that way again uh, So we call upon the author to explain Our midsummer toy kids straddle the streets We've shunned them from the greasy grind The poor little things, they look so sad and old As they mount us from behind I ask them to desist and to refrain And then we call upon the author to explain This is a, an, another song to an extent about songwriting, about God, about kind of ownership uh when you put something forward and it, it, it it's full of his kind of humor as well uh in uh you know saying uh he's a he's a he's a he's a vacuum com- cleaner a complete sucker like you know there's silly there's silly little throwaway lines in it but uh we should introduce uh, him to kanye <laughs> um but uh it's yeah it's 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 a representation i think it's probably the best representation of dig lazarus dig which was that Grindermani era uh, explosion of creativity that the band seemed to have. They they led off with Nocturama is the one record of theirs I don't uh, I I don't think really stands. Um, but it ends with a track called Babe I'm on Fire. That's all like fourteen minutes of it. Yeah, all fourteen <laughs> glorious minutes yeah. of it. Um, but it 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 kind of it, it's the powder keg that you're like something is going to happen and right. they just need to do it and i think this uh i think dig lazarus dig is stunning i remember talking to craig about it before and he said when he heard it for the first time he assumed it was the best the greatest hits of the bad seeds because he, he wasn't aware and he was like well that clearly that isn't someone's you know uh latter day record or yeah. mid-career record but uh that's that's my pick from it you mentioned grinder man uh signaling something of a, a new lease of life uh, number nine is the palaces of montezuma the hanging gardens of babylon miles davis the black unicorn i give to you the palaces of montezuma the gardens of akbar's tomb i give to you the spider goddess and the needle boy and the slave dwarves that they employ. I get you. A custard colored super dream of Bonnie McGraw and Steve McQueen. I get you. Yeah, so this is a, this is a Grinderman record, which uh, for anyone who's not aware, uh, this is like a way of releasing 
steam or pressure from the bad seeds is how they how they seem to describe it there there was so nick cave seems to be one of those songwriters that and the whole band um that are really concerned about their 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 legacy and the quality of what they release and i think to a certain extent that had almost started to to cause kind of paranoia in the songwriting and so they decided to make a small a smaller mini version of the bad seeds uh that would do uh just a a, a barnstorming kind of punkier heavier record uh now this is the second of their their two albums Pro- probably my favorite of the two but what i love about it is apparently the story goes is that uh his uh his 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 wife was annoyed that uh he writes so many songs about so many things but he never writes a straight up love song about his wife and this is the most twisted imagery uh, that you could possibly do if you're like if, if you're really forced to do something that's like it has beautiful lines like the the technicolored super dream of ollie mcgraw and steve mcqueen and you know all these kind of all these kind of uh things but then there's there's really there's really strange uh choices but it's uh it's nick writing a love song as only nick cowan and lastly it's a dave higgins blues classic Let's do it. Higgs Boson Blues. Here come Lucifer with his cannon law and a hundred black babies running from his genocidal jaw. He's got the real killer groove. Robert Johnson and the Devil Man. Don't know who's gonna. So you probably noticed that I've 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 left um I've left Skeleton Tree off this record because I I think I think it deserves to be its own capsule. I don't but think in there's... any case all of our loyal listeners already know all about that album from when we reviewed it. So <laughs> it's a tough review. It's fine. It is, um I I think it detracts from it to 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 throw in a song in isolation. Um so I I ended with Push the Sky Away, um, which is my, my wife's favorite Bad Seeds record, which is impressive that far into your career it's that you're still my wowing. favorite Bad Seeds record. Ah, yeah, I'm really? much more a Warren Ellis era than uh, McCarvey era. Hmm. Yeah, I just like, I find them to be like the perfect musical pairing. So I, agree. Uh, I think that they're at their apex with that. Sure, we saw it with the the assassination of Jesse James. I think is the best soundtrack I've ever heard, and uh, I, that was my college record for study for everything. I would just listen to it hundreds and hundreds. How did of you times. not just start crying every time "Song for Bob" came on? <laughs> stunning rendering of anything I've ever heard Dave, ever. I'm 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 like a weepy Hulk. I'm always crying. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay, so sum up Nick Cave and what he means to you, Carlo. And why isn't he getting the backlash that Kanye West is getting? Am I right? Um, well, like with some material, you say. Well, to 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 give to give a, a very quick reference to Hig, Higgs Bolson Blues, um, it it another uh, apocalyptic image, but marred and 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 cut in with modern culture. It was something that uh, I think only he could pull off. Like you know, having Robert Johnson and Hannah Montana in the one track as Warren Ellis plays a Mando caster lone, uh, and then it it ends up kicking and being one of the biggest live songs, which is. Uh, Another thing, I, I'm always surprised that they're able to orchestrate. But um, yeah, Nick for me is—he's the complete package. He—he—he he, he has such a, a, a genuine authenticity with everything he does. Much, um, much in the same way as Kanye, I genuinely believe everything he does. I—I I, and I don't know if there's. 
I, I often think of the bad seeds are like the 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 upside down version of the E Street band. Like they're just they're 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 the devil's backing band. <laughs> like and and as a live performer, as a songwriter, even as a novelist and a filmmaker, I I, I think the guy's peerless. I very much enjoyed this listening guide. It brought me back. I'd actually made a playlist myself ages ago of uh, every picked every album, favorite song plus song for Bob because it's a masterpiece <laughs> and also because I wanted a day of 16 albums so I wanted it 17 so I could call it NC17 oh nice very but, good, uh, very good. Six, 6 out of your 10 tracks are oh, online wow. so there you go. you're among friends we will post said listening guide on the No Encore Twitter account as always thank you very much Carlo greatly appreciated and no now problem. in this studio that is melting down before us it's time for the songs of the week yeah Dave Higgins 1 out of 5 pick a number 4 it's Maroon 5 Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Along with Cardigan B. And the song is called Girls Like You. And it sounds like this. I don't play when it comes to my heart. Let's get it though. I don't really want a white horse in a carriage. I'm thinking more of white horses in carriage. I need you right here because every time you fall, I play with this kitty like you play with your guitar. Girls like girls like you. Girls like me. So now I need like you not a cover of the naked and famous song of the same name which is a bit of a belter this is not a bit of a belter no they've been making this song for about two decades now right or does <laughs> yeah. it just feel like it um this, yeah sorry go on no I'm, I'm sure we were about to say the same thing it's really bad um, <laughs> my, 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 my main issue here is that cardi b is i mean like we've talked about it on this show before the danger of you know guys who just get roped into doing a load of features and in the world of hip hop, and especially in the world of like major labels trusting you to have a guest on the track, Cardi B is one of very, very few female voices out there that's going to be doing this stuff. There is a danger that she is going to be ruined before her career has really started by being thrown on these pieces of shit every month, isn't there? And the funny thing about it is, this is her her verse is actually stapled onto this song because when. Uh problematically named Red Pill Blues came out with this on it. Wow. She's not yeah. on it, so yeah, it's just like they a just... remix or whatever. So it's mm-hmm. kind of one of these things where it's like meant to serve both people, but serves neither. This is like... You said they've been making this song for 20 years. It's like a really beige Ouroboros where, you know, I can imagine when This Love came out, a young Ed Sheeran heard it, and he's like, oh, I'm going to do some of that. And then that just like really bland, simple... You know, a guitar line that goes through it, and then Rune Five recycled that. Yeah, I, 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 I don't, um, I don't have the the dislike of Maroon Five that most people do. They're just to me, they're just elevator music. Like I don't, I don't feel kind of passionately either way. I think the guy is talented. I think if he, if he, if he took himself in a more Ryan Tedder type situation, stepped out of the spotlight, right. wrote some songs for people, I think he, he would be really good at it. But like, yeah, this does nothing for me. It's not my thing. I have three things to say about Maroon Five. Moves like Jagger's a banger. Moves like Jagger's a banger. Right. Won't go home without you is a banger. Okay. They. Don't we don't need them anymore? Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Carlo, a number between one and five that isn't number four. I'm so glad you said that isn't because I completely forgot my number was picked. <laughs> uh, I will go for two. It's Charlie XCX and it's five in the morning. Uh, uh, I'm going on in. It's five in the morning. I'm busy balling. I ain't even stopping. It's five in the morning. I'm so devoted. I'm going all in. It's five in the morning. I'm busy balling. I ain't even stopping. 
She's back uh, opening for Taylor Swift and yeah. alongside Camilla Cabello yeah. in Croke Park. Oh, this I, I almost forgot. Next week. Right. Uh, Taylor Swift is playing Croke Park next week. Mm-hmm. Today, as you know, time of recording, uh, a, a thing was announced. It was the list of oh yeah, banned. No, things. no, yeah, <laughs> it's the list of things that you can't bring yeah. to the Taylor Swift pop concert in Croke Park. Are you guys ready? Sure. Aerosols, air horns, alcohol, animals, any item that may be reasonably considered for use as a weapon, audio recorders, backpacks or waste packs, bottles. Cans. Are we going to go through this whole thing? Cameras with a detachable lens or recording hmm. equipment. Chinese or sky lanterns. Camping equipment. Excessive amounts of cigarettes. Right. What's that? As in, like, so you yeah, don't sell, sell them on when you're inside. <laughs> what, curtains? Not prison. Yeah. <laughs> Food, fireworks and flares, garden furniture, glass. Yeah. Two lads with a big sheet of glass. Can't no, go- as in glass bottles. Can't go to the gate. Numpty. GoPros, <laughs> illegal substances, iPads, that one I agree with. Uh, large umbrellas or flagpoles, large chains, spiked bracelets, or wallet chains. <laughs> <laughs> That's Dave's outfit out the window anyway. <laughs> uh, it's not a fucking Godsmack gig. <laughs> liquids, no liquids are permitted. Lightsabers, so Darth Maul has oh, to stay dear. home. Yeah, he can't go. Megaphones, <laughs> nitrous <laughs> oxide. Wow, that, but that's always a good thing to leave at home. Portable laser equipment and pens, selfie sticks, smoke canisters, sound systems, spray cans, and finally, my favourite... Tridents. Wait, hold Does on. Does that mean Neptune can't come The then? Greek god Poseidon cannot go to oh. Taylor Swift gig. It, is this some kind of cool young speak that I don't understand? Like a, 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 no, a trident a as a cocktail? it's a fucking trident. It's a fucking medieval pitchfork <laughs> that you can't bring to the Taylor Swift gigs. Presumably yeah. she's had some trouble with them before. I, I, don't, I don't think it's her personal well, issue. All of Tr- which... Trident me once, fool on all, all of which is to say that that's more interesting than this new Charlie XCX jam, which is totally fine. But, uh, yeah. Her fl- flow? Well, her I, I don't know if I'd call her flow, because she's not exactly spitting fire here. Mm-hmm. But there's actually like quite a pleasant rhythm to the way that she delivers. Oh, it's good. I, like I think it's too. very good. Yeah, it's like a Charlie it. XCX pop song. It's nice probably going to be good. It. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I imagine there's just stacks of trap beats lying around <laughs> the studios. Like, they do a good job of throwing in that little piano thing just to like make it slightly different. Uh, it's not PC music. Which is probably the most common worthy thing here. Um, I think the Trident was the most common worthy thing. <laughs> well, yeah, but the, uh, the Invisible Men are on production. They did a lot of stuff with Iggy Azalea, um, oh, okay. and they would have worked with her on Fancy with Charlie XCX, so I guess that's the connection. Um, but last heard doing a lot of Zane stuff, and that was not amazing. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see what Charlie XCX does outside of the, 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 the kind of, I suppose, the the process that she's been working at for an awful long time. Interesting that that's the collaboration. I couldn't really see them on this track. Cullen, give me a number. <laughs> give me a number. Uh, five, please. It's the debut single from the solo project of Savage's bassist, Aze Hassan. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce her project name, which is Ezia. The song is called Lost. I can pronounce that one. Okay. 
and it's a strange, glitchy R&B jam, futuristic stuff. Uh, she's one of the best bass players out there, by the way, and compelling to watch uh, in a live setting. I, I had I had uh, a, a weird um, realization when I was listening to this. I, I loved this. I thought it was a, it was a great track. I don't know Savages. I don't have the context to compare oh, it to her other work. Good. Yeah, um, give them a go. But 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 this really. Um, and maybe Dave, you might be able to uh, you might be able to back me up on this. I really felt that this it had a, like a nine inch nailsy feel to the background, and I was expecting the the you and me from we're in this together to kick in every now and again. Uh, I, I thought it had that 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 kind of feel to it, but I really enjoyed it. Bizarrely, I didn't get a Trent Reznor vibe for once. For once, for I, once. <laughs> I like this. I found it. A little bit difficult to listen to on a sunny day, and I had to. <laughs> That's fair. Oh, on, that, on, on yeah. a couple of occasions, checked. It's. I thought that somebody might have been watching like a Gaspar Noé movie really loudly because that <laughs> drone in it is just like anxiety uh, driving. But um, yeah, some really nice vocals in it. Uh, some good strings in it. I quite liked it. No, it definitely captures a mood. It must be said. Yeah, mm. yeah, and, and and I like that too. I mean, I'm I, like it's just from an EP, so we're not going to have to worry about getting an album full of it because you do wonder how much you could kind of like do this sort of monotonous sort of thing, which I think it weaponizes very well. Yeah, obviously you can't multiply it out all that well, but yeah, for what it is, this song is very good. The EP is out next month. Uh, the absurdity of being, which sounds exactly what uh, she would call an EP. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to it, actually, though. It should be good. They have artful notions, do savages. Okay. Uh, I've seen them live. They're phenomenal live. And when she plays bass, she like closes her eyes for the entire thing and just kind of bops about. Oh, wow. She's fucking shit cool. So I'm looking forward to that EP. There are two numbers left, Dave Higgins. One and three. Three. Well, the absurdity um... of being sounds like it could have been <laughs> from, oh, yeah. from this band. Sounds like one of their albums, yeah. It's the 1975. When you find in your coffee collection is a sign of times. You can spiritually enlighten the 29. So just give yourself a try. Won't you give yourself a try? Won't you give yourself a try? So, that guitar riff, that constant guitar riff, oh, yeah. that was a decision, wasn't it? Just well, there, isn't it? One thing, I, I, maybe you guys would have picked up on this straight away, but uh, uh, my friend John had to point it out to me. I didn't. It, it seems to be an almost direct lift from a Joy Division track, the oh, it is, guitar yeah. riff, yeah. which I didn't know. Well, they're I, Manchester boys as well. So. But but I hate it. Like, I, 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 I couldn't... I, 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 guitar tone is something that really kind of buys and sells a track for me. It's why Warren Ellis' stuff tends to work so well for me. But... The, not even not even the riff, just the the tone and the pitch of that. It, I yeah, no, it is kind of like grating. I must admit, they could have found ways to bring it in and out. It's, it's a very so least rather than just leave constant. it there. It reminds constant. me of uh, reminds me of Coldplay's "Every Teardrop Is a Waterfall." Yeah, which I think is a bit of a banger. That's a great song, but um, that guitar riff does get in the way. This one has Matty Healy, as he's known, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it's it's your classic, I'm a little bit older and a little bit wiser, guys. Lyrical There's song. a bit of that, Jay, yeah, and I mean, it very much stays in their sort of wheelhouse of being this, I, I described it as being like a bizarre twilight zone where like they're kind of singing about like these really kind of dark subjects to a big crowd of like One Direction fans over kind of like <laughs> pop hooks and like 80s disco throwbacks or something. And uh, yeah, this once again has that, albeit with a little bit of uplift because like you say, he does seem to have come out the other side. 
think you gave us a not racist Morrissey lyric again. Uh, I didn't need emo when I was 16. I don't need it now that I'm 33. <laughs> Fair. You know, um, there was a, I think after Scott Hutchison passed away, I think Matty Healy tweeted something. Right. And like one of the first replies was, yeah, fuck that. Where's the album? Because, you know, fuck stan culture, basically. Yeah, it's the terrific. worst. And finally this week, uh, a contender for Song of the Summer, it's Gorillaz! The song is called Humility. Jack Black's in the video. Everyone's having a grand old time. And I think it's okay, I suppose. George Benson on the track itself, where he plays the role of Niall Rogers, uh, or basically <laughs> plays the role that we've got used to Niall Rogers playing in songs over the past five years. Um, he's very good at it. It's sunny. It's obviously very different from what we got from Humans uh, about 12 months mm. ago or so. And uh, yeah, it's grand. I think like the lyrics are naff. But they're also low enough in the mix and so unobtrusive that you're just like, I can legitimately ignore these. And uh, on that basis, yeah, it's grand. It, 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 it's one for that summer compilation that I've been building <laughs> that you don't sit down and listen to, but you'll fling on every now and then. Yeah, it's a very pleasant summer jam, I think is, yeah. is the only way to describe it. And um, yeah, I always find Gorillaz tracks are kind of, can only be as good as the guest on it. And uh, George Benson does really good work on it, um, vocally bit. So so yeah yeah well shockingly I, I I love the track with the fantastic guitar player on it go, yeah, um, yeah I, I really really enjoyed it couldn't tell you a single lyric from it but <laughs> boy is that playing pretty they dropped sorcerers with a Z for the record uh, earlier this afternoon and the album is out June 29th and that other single yeah is also kind of sunny and kind of light so yeah it's, it's definitely um, a fairly significant departure from what we got. How's that summer playlist coming along? I'm not actually making one. Oh, <laughs> Jesus, come on. You got me excited there. No. Can you put Chromio's Juice on it? Oh, that, oh that, that's on there since November. <laughs> that's when the project started, Dave. Okay. Started with that. Uh, I think I've actually gotten heat stroke in the studio. Thankfully, we're at the end of the show. <laughs> it's time for the other listening corner. I really haven't listened <laughs> nothing, to nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> I really haven't listened to much. I tried to give the new 106 Point Never album a go. I was just about to mention, age well, off. I yeah. got halfway through and I was like, I'm not in the headspace for this at all. No, well, I don't know what the exact same thing. <laughs> oh, there you go. I, I, made, I, made, I made it all the way through, but frankly, I don't think that's because of my headspace. I'm not sure what sort of headspace you would need to be in to be like, yeah, this is what I need Completely now. Completely breaking apart. It feels apart. like a mixtape. It's bizarre, but uh, it's very enjoyable. At, at least all the pieces in terms of individual tracks are coherent in there. I'm still listening to uh, St. Vincent's record from last year, my favorite album that year, and it's 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 carrying on. Boo, hiss, etc. <laughs> Um, I feel like one of the last times I was on the show in the listening corner I said I was listening to Rival Consoles and again uh, he brought an album out I think it was the same day that John Hopkins brought out Singularity was, yeah. and the same day that Cozy brought his album out so I'm only kind of getting to it now it's absolutely fantastic so 
similar vein to John Hopkins or if you like Clark, I'd say give it a whirl. Yeah, and also Hungry from Paul Allroyd, which we mentioned at the top of the show and we mentioned again now we will be chatting with him. Uh, you'll hear that at some, some stage in the next week. Keep an eye out. Yeah. It'll either be uh, a few days from now or an entire week from now. We yeah, yeah. <laughs> your, your local podcast distributors will have it when it's ready anyway. Like, subscribe, rate, review and recommend to friends. Yeah. <laughs> Carlo and Dave, thanks so much for coming in, guys. Cheers, Cheers for having us. Good thanks for having us. Thank you. Cullum, thank you as well. No bother, Good bro. man. So remember a few weeks ago or whenever it was I did a talk in BIM that uh, might have ruffled some feathers oh I do oh, well I do. some people enjoyed it because at least one act got in touch and they are this week's Exit Music the band are called by Curious they are an instrumental rock duo this track is called Sleep it comes from their I'm So Confused EP which was released at the start of March you can get that on Spotify and I'm not going to bore you any further because this has been a very long episode I'm very warm I really really like this track though and that's why it's Exit Music. That's the main reason. Not because they were charmed by me and in turn charmed me as well. Do they happen to work in a sandwich <laughs> shop around town or anything? That has yet to be established, but I'm always interested to know. Ears open. And on that note, my name is Dave Handrady. This has been the Encore. There will be no Encore. I'm way too warm. This is by Curious and Sleep. Catch you soon, guys. Bye. Hey.
This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Looking for a way to make online learning a better option for your family? When it comes to virtual learning, experience matters. Tuition-free K-12 powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of experience to work for you, giving your child the personalized learning they deserve without disruptions. With a K-12 powered school, students gain the skills they need to be prepared for their next steps in life, building a better future for each one of us. K-12, education for any one. Learn more at K-12.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.